prairies and paupers, pawns and pedants, this week on The Hapless Heroes. <laughs> I pulled my meat pocket open as wide as I possibly can. Context. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of the Hapless Heroes podcast. I'm Francesco, and tonight I will be your host and DM. And joining me on this fantastic adventure is my wonderful cast of characters. So I will introduce them starting to my digital left with Dave playing Zero, Valen's Avatar of War. Greetings! Mike as Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind. I will regale you with my journeys. Nicole as Boris the Butcher. What are we going to get up to tonight? Phil as Hedrick the Entertainer. So uh, what time do we go on? And John as Lord Jarrell the Light. Oh, there was that you. Yeah, so speaking of that last comment, um, last time on the show, we had arrived in the city of high rock and discovered some hard times happening here uh lawlessness in the streets people are rising up they are unhappy unsatisfied they are going hungry they have lost their livelihoods they have lost their faith all of the temples aside from the temple of valen have fallen in this grand holy city of high rock Jarrell was disappointed to find that the church and the archclerisy themselves were having to deal with the revolt from the peasantry in a more violent way than maybe he would have preferred. He was definitely not too happy with what he saw there. You guys saw uh, re-encountered Shalandria someone who we've known very well in the past of someone who's not too fond of this party usually, but um, at least some of the right, Hedrick was able to schmooze his way in with her. And um, we had two kind of, two things happening simultaneously towards the end of the last episode. And that was Jarrell visiting the crypts underneath the temple of Valen to pay respects to his deceased father and these sort of justice glowing and almost whispering to him um, the phrase. A dog will look down when they've done something wrong. A snake will look you right in the eyes. That. And it almost sounded like the voice of your father. Meanwhile, we had Boris and Quinn slipping off to one of the areas inside this like sort of um, enclosed campus you know, of in the archclerisy for, you know, for Valen, where you have the spire, you have the temple, and then some other, you know, private buildings that have been kind of separated from the general public. Um, an area where there's, there appears to be like food stores 
and things of that nature. And there are some guards there, and Boris seems to have a plan, and Quinn is going to back her up. So we're gonna kinda we're gonna start by opening with Quinn and Boris. So Quinn, you were about to distract the guards out front by regaling them with stories as you do with literally everyone you encounter. Everyone. And they, they always love listening to them, so... So how do you approach that? Let's start with you. Um, well, they, they know we're around, so I'm just going to... I'm just going to saunter right up to the bigger of the two guards. You're going to saunter like... Mm. Saunter. Sure. Like, <laughs> like, when he saunters. <laughs> sure. Everywhere he goes. <laughs> yeah, his hips his hips don't lie. Um so he just kind of like walks right up to the the bigger of the two guards. Yeah, and I should just um, I, should, I should just say by the way that well there you know there is one that is slightly bigger maybe in height than the other, but these two are both like I would say standing at about six foot one, six foot two. Fully so clad, fully clad in plate armor, bearing you know all of the like gold filigree and regalia of the you know paladins of Valen. Mm, um, they are wearing like almost fully enclosed helms. They, they they have like the just that open like the slight open face with like the metal that comes down in the center over their nose. So really, you can only kind of see their eyes and like just this like little slit, you know that is, you know, shows like part of where their mouth is. Otherwise they are, you know, fully clad in armor. Cool. Uh, I walk right up to this six foot two guy and, uh, Lord Quinn Southwind at your service. You must have heard of all of my exploits and journeys. Yes, we I am have. here to talk to you. And let you know that I am here for you. I am here to support you and to be a ally in whatever you need me to be. The large, so this guard responds to you, this paladin responds to you. We have heard of your lawless ways, Captain. You would do uh, well to mind yourself in the holy city of Valen. We have enough problems that as it is. We know all about the exploits of you and your lawless band of adventurers. As you know, that one of the main tenets of Valen is that the law is paramount and you flagrantly disregard it at every turn. We have all of our eyes on you, Lord Captain, he says disdainfully. One says lawless and I say we get things done. We cannot deny the results, however, your methods have caused untold destruction and have upset order in the Southern Kingdoms. Because now you have every, every person out there thinking that they can make a name for themselves or they can go off and flagrantly disregard the law and become some famous captain. You are setting a poor example, my lord. Or were you not expecting someone to challenge your authority and your famousness, Quinn? I please. I feel like he's dealt with this before. So um, (laughs) yeah, he was probably one of the people who were chasing you out of town the first time. 
He doesn't, like, Quinn doesn't care. So, um, in order for one to make a name for himself, sometimes he just has to do things that, you know, require attention. And the guard says, well, I hope you are willing to take responsibility for the consequences of your actions. I certainly have gained some reward for those decisions. That is for sure. Hmm. He just, like, kind of sighs... And then he kind of like goes back to your initial, you know, statement. He says, I don't know what you can do here to help me in this moment, but right now you are loitering where you do not belong. So unless you have something to offer or something of value, I have a job to do. Boris, where are you while this conversation's happening? Yeah. So as soon as the guards are otherwise occupied with Quinn. Uh, I, Boris pulls a little yellow brick out of her pocket and mm. goes to slip into the door where the food stores are, uh, dropping the little yellow brick on the ground behind her. So slipping into the door, there's only, there seems to be only one entrance, at least that you can see from the, you know, facade of the building, and that's where the two guards are standing. Mm-hmm. So... Are they staring directly at the door, or are they staring at Quinn? I mean, they're standing next to the door, staring at Quinn. Yep, I gotta slip into the door behind them. Interesting. Okay, so the door's closed. That Give- will be ineffective. <laughs> um, is the, does that change your decision at all? How loud does the door look? How? Hmm. Make me a perception. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Make me a perception check. Twenty-seven. Wow. Um, okay, so the door itself is wooden and iron wrought, and the hinges themselves are made out of um, like cast iron. They look to be relatively well kept. It doesn't look to be an old creaky door. This looks like pretty well maintained. So it is entirely possible that this door could be opened without a sound. However, to be able to get in there you know, with two people standing, well, technically three people standing right in front of it is a tall order. You think that it might be best to look for alternative entrances. I'm sorry, alternative entrances. It's so hard to say that word. I feel like I almost like stumbled over it when I said entrances because it doesn't sound like a word anymore. Entrances. Yeah, after after assessing the door, Boris will take a look around quickly to try to see what else is available to get in. Yeah, so front of the building, right, doesn't really have much. There's there, there's maybe two areas where you see some shuttered windows that are uh, probably like, um, like bolted or locked from the inside because uh, they are closed. Uh, but there appears to be you know a rear as well. Um, you know, like this, this there, you can you can you would be able to get around this structure, this building, um, and, and see what's behind it. Okay, I, I, I snatch my brick back up that I've already dropped uh, and, and sneak around the building to check out the back. Yeah, what does that brick look like, by the way? Just out of curiosity for the audience. Uh, uh, it's it's yellow. Um, it's, you know, maybe an inch long by like half an inch wide. It's got a couple, a couple of little stabby corners on the ends and uh, some, some little rounded stabby bits on the top as well. So almost you know, like... It's a- kind of unassuming, very tiny. So like one of those Murder toy brick? plastic bricks that potentially, you know, would be... I don't think we're going to get in trouble for saying the brand name, Lego. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
it resembles that. Interesting. 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 I, I casually refer to it as my, my brick of torture. Mm. Okay. Um, so yeah, you go try to sneak around the side of the building. Do me a favor, just make me a, a stealth check. I mean, I already know that you can't go below a certain number on this, but I still would like for you to... Just 25. All right. Oh, sorry, that was bad math. 30. Okay. Um, no one seems to notice you going around, so now you're kind of casing the joint. Um, behind here, there is a, another set of, you know, like maybe two windows across this log. Is this, 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 this building is not that long. I would say maybe stretches about... It's probably about 40 feet long, like in width. So like, you know, like the doors are kind of in the center and then it's only maybe about 20 feet wide. So it's kind of like a long house almost with like the doors, you know, kind of placed in the center of that 40 foot wide, like facade in the front. Um, the back only has those, you know, again, a, a set of you know two shuttered windows. Um, and there appears to be another um, smaller door. So one in the front is, you know, larger has like, you know, it looks like it probably like it's like really good load shipments in. This back door looks more like a service entrance. Same kind of, same type of construction on the door though, wooden and iron rod with iron hinges. Any guards? No guards posted up here. Um, the door looks like it has a pull ring and a keyhole. I approach the door cautiously. It's a door. <laughs> Still a door. Perfect. Um, and check to see if it's locked. It is very much locked. I'm checking to see if I have anything I can pick a lock with in my inventory here. I feel like I you should. You probably have thieves' tools. You are a freaking rogue. Yeah, I definitely have thieves' tools. If you don't, you are a very bad rogue. So yes, you have thieves' tools. <laughs> I am proficient in thieves. Okay, I definitely have those. Yeah. Yes, I pick the luck. <laughs> so because you probably are proficient with that and you have the you know reliable talent thing, what's the lowest possible result you could have for picking a lock? Uh, 10 plus 10 plus my proficiency bonus, 25. Okay, you unlock the door. Perfect. Um, I head in and take a quick look around. Yeah, so you just like, quietly open the door, I'm assuming, right? Yep. Yeah. Kind of sneak in and kind of assess, see if there's any people. So inside it looks in like, there. yeah, inside it almost looks like they've converted like a stable into a warehouse. So what, you know, you can kind of see like the, the separate stalls that kind of are taking up, you know, the long the long part part of the building itself, like on either side with like a little, you know, walk walking path in between. But those stalls have been cleared out of any like hay and, you know, other detritus and debris and are just stacked with like barrels and crates um, sealed. I pop one open. Yeah. So there's a barrel kind of close by you pop it open. You can see that there are a bunch of salted and cured meats in here. Perfect. I start pocketing them. Um, sounds good. These meats look like, uh, you know, a different shape and cut than you're used to, like, seeing with, like, most, you know, things. Um, they, you know, they don't really look like your, your, your standard fare of, of, of cured meats that you would, you would see at any, like, market stall. They, they have, they, they have, 
different cuts to them. Do they look better or worse than what I would normally see? Just different. Um, like, I don't know, make me a nature check. Oh, wait. Uh, nope, I'm not proficient in that. That was a nat one. Perfect. <laughs> um, you know, it, you have no, you, you don't really know at all. Like it's, it's, maybe it's, uh, something exotic. Like maybe, you know, like this is probably like tiger meat or something like that. Like something that you're not used to seeing or experiencing. Like they have some fancy fucking shit in here. Excellent. I steal a ton of tiger meat and then pop another barrel open. Are you putting that in your, like your, your, your little like appearing pockets on your armor? Yeah, not, not the one with the bubblegum cigars, but yes, I, I, I just like, you know, pull a pocket open and just start like hucking meat in there. You know, it's, it's, it's pulled open like far give enough me, that a full human being could probably jump into the pocket if they wanted to. Give me like a poundage we're working with here. Uh, 25 pounds. Wow. Okay. Um, you managed to take all of that. Um, and as you're kind of taking it, you can actually, you can hear um, a muffled conversation, you know, from the other side of the building. Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking to the guards, right? You know, you're trying to like, just be a distraction or be just a, you know, whomever you are. Um, but the one, you know, they, they say, if you have nothing else, Please be on your way. I was just curious, with two such renowned guards, I was interested to hear your view of the righteous way. And, the you know, he proudly stands up straight and he says... If you don't know, you should. The tenets of the oath that we take to serve Valen, the law is paramount. It is the mortar that holds the stones of civilization together, and it must be respected. And he looks at you wide-eyed. Loyalty, your word is your bond. Without loyalty, oaths and laws are meaningless. Courage! You must be willing to do what it takes to be, or what needs to be done for the sake of order, even in the face of overwhelming odds. If you don't act, then who will? And finally, responsibility. You must deal with the consequences of your actions, and you and you alone are responsible for fulfilling your duties and obligations. It is my duty to serve Valen and the Arch Clerisy. I have sworn an oath to protect law and order, and that is what me and my fellow clergymen and paladins are doing now. As the faithless, as the ungrateful, roam the streets and disrupt the order that we have preserved here for so long. They must repent. They must accept Valen into their hearts. Only then will they know salvation and peace. You would do well to learn those two. Even Jarrell could use a refresher. Oh, you're telling me. If there's nothing else, you can be on your way now. 
he puts his hand on his shoulder. You put your hand on the guard's shoulder? Yeah. He he swats your hand away. Do not touch okay, me. But <clears throat> before he swats it away, uh-huh. I bestow curse. You're gonna Okay, first of all, okay, so let me just let me just make sure that um you understand the consequences of what's about to happen here if this is something you're choosing to do. When you cast a spell, uh-huh. there is a verbal component to uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. So this person's gonna know. That you're casting magic on them. Will they know? Yes. Yes. 100% yes. Unequivocally, yes. Hmm. Unless you have some way to make your spells subtle, like a sorcerer can, it is very fucking obvious that you're going to be cursing this person. So I just want you to make sure that you know that before you commit to this idea. cast mirror image on myself he this the paladin puts his sword into the ground he says unsolicited magic is against the law here in high rock you will dispel that magic at once or we will throw you in the dungeons with haste he dispels the magic and he just kind of like smiles at him he's like uh loosen up Loosening up is exactly what would get you into the situation that we are in today. Law and order must prevail. I will not see you break the law again on my watch. Be gone with you. I'm assuming, Boris, by now you've probably slipped out of the warehouse or no? Well, I mean, I wasn't... Boris was not planning on stopping at the 25 pounds of meat by any means. So depending on how long this conversation is taken. About how long that conversation just took. So like a couple minutes. She she would have popped open at least like a couple more crates. Looking Um, for more food. There are some different vegetables and things that you've seen, but none of like they all kind of look almost like pristine. Like, 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 perfect. Uh, make me another nature check. Well, it's not a one. Um, three. Some high quality shit right <laughs> here. This is like the freshest of the fresh. But that's all you know. It just looks really good. Things like cabbage. Uh, she- you have like cabbage. You got, you know, different root vegetables and potatoes and, you know, like you're just all manner of different like vegetables, all of what appear to be the highest quality. Do I see anything that looks like a grain or a fruit? Um, There are sacks of like gigantic sacks of rice. Like we're talking about like, you know, like 20 pound to 40 pound, like sacks of rice. 20 to 40 pounds would be less than five cubic feet, right? Technically, yes. Yeah, perfect. So uh, Boris pulls open a few more pockets and grabs ten sacks of grains, puts them in pockets, and then smooths the pockets back down to her body. Uh, Grabs a single piece of fruit and walks back out the front door where Quinn is. Perfect. Wait, you walk out the front door? Where Quinn is. Boldly, like directly out the front, not quietly at all. 
the guards turn and look down at you immediately, like almost like you like cut them off mid-sentence as they were shooing Quinn away. And they look, you there! What were you yeah. doing in there? That is off-limits. How did you get in there? I, I I walked in. You guys were distracted. You were talking to Quinn. I was trying to get your attention. I, Lord Jarrell just wanted an apple. And yeah, you're holding the apple up. Uh, roll me a persuasion check. Or deception, technically. Twenty-three. One sec. Okay. They said, Our apologies. However, you would do well to wait your turn and address us directly. There are areas you do not belong. We could have grabbed that for you. There are places you can requisition these things. I'm so very sorry. I saw Quinn was doing magic, and I know that that's a big deal here. I didn't want to disturb you. I will not do it again. On your way, both of you. And they show you away. I pull out a bubblegum cigar and hand one to Quinn. And do you walk away? I... And walk away. All right. So the rest of your party's back at the temple of Valen. Um, and um, at this point, you guys kind of reconvene. Jarrell, you probably are. At this, have you spent any further time in the crypts, or are you coming up to rejoin your party? Like you know, you've had this revelation now about you know you've, you heard this voice. You know, you're pressing your hand against the sarcophagus where you know your father is entombed. Um. um. You know, what are you doing? I, I think I would use my go-to divine sense there. Okay. Right now, currently, you are standing in consecrated, a consecrated area. Um, as you know, because this, the, 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 the royal and holy crypts have been blessed many times over by many of the different... Um, Supreme Arch clerics over the years. You know, it's a, right. It's actually a ritual. Every anytime a new Supreme Arch cleric is nominated, when the previous one passes away, because it is a lifetime position, um, one of the first things they do is you know bless the holy sites, including the tomb, the grave of the former Supreme Arch cleric. So you are standing in consecrated ground. No undead fiends, fey, or whatever else that detects nearby. Uh, and there's no, like, creatures that I can detect. No, like, I wouldn't detect a ghost, would I? <laughs> I mean, that's technically undead, so you would. If it was an actual, like, physical, well, like, mildly corporeal, as corporeal as ghosts go, right? And nothing celestial. No. Okay. No, not necessarily, no. I don't think that would count. Like your, like your sword or the energy coming through your sword. So, no. Did it seem like the voice was coming? It seemed like it was coming directly from my sword? Um, yes. You were almost like it was like, like the way, like because you remember, like, you almost like thought you heard whispers. And then as you pulled the sword out of its sheath, is when it actually became, yeah. um, you know, clear, co- comprehensible. Um, Jarrell will put on. The helmet of Valen, uh, resheath the sword of justice, um, say a quick prayer, 
again mm-hmm. and then kind of leave quickly, I guess. Make me a... Hold on, I want to make sure I tie this to the... Perception. No, I want to make... <laughs> tie this to the proper ability. You know what? Because I like you. Make me a straight charisma check. No skill, just a charisma check. Okay. Uh, 16. You think for a moment, and maybe this is just because you miss Valen, you miss hearing her voice, you miss her guidance. You feel almost like, you know, just for that brief flicker of a, of a second, that something is, that something is trying to respond to you, but then that feeling is gone. And you weren't sure if it's just your heart skipping a beat because like you, you know, you haven't heard from her in so long, or if this was, you know, if this is truly something that actually happened. Can I roll an insight to try to determine like the tone of the voice, the tone of the voice that you heard prior of the voice that cause this is the second time that I've heard like almost like a like when you're listening to a radio and you hear like the people for a second and they, yeah. they disappear I'm trying to determine if, if she's concerned angry um, I'm not even going to say I'm saying that like you didn't you don't even know if that was her trying to respond to you or if it was just like your feelings well, I'm not, I'm not, getting in the I'm way. not saying it's necessarily Valen but I'm trying to determine like can I decipher a tone uh, no, I, I, I'm actually using your charisma check as that result. Um, if it were, if if maybe if it were higher, you may have gotten more information. But I'm saying with your 16, sure. that is what you were able to discern from the feeling or what happened to you. Okay. Um. So yeah, Jarrell will again. He's kind of like this. Kind of confuses him a little bit, which it doesn't take much. Um, and. He does he Jarrell know where like the holiest place in this temple is? And is he allowed there? Um well the holiest place in the temple itself is I mean it's just it's the temple, right? You have like the altar, you have like the, the public area, you're in the private areas like the royal crypts and things like that. But I mean like the like you're talking about like the holiest, holiest place that like you have the top of the spire. Okay. Is Jar- is, would Jarrell be allowed there? Yes. You, okay. you know, you hold enough clout that you would be able to, yes. Um, so Jarrell returns from the crypt to find uh, Zero and Hedrick still there. Is, is Hedrick still talking to Shalandria? I don't know. How are you? Yeah. Last thing that he was doing uh, was helping her clean up and helping her in any way he could. But he asked her to basically explain the tenets of her faith. (laughs) She's been going on for a while. And like he wanted to hear what she was passionate about. He wanted to hear what his buddy, you know, Jarrell has lived for his entire you know, professional career. <laughs> Maybe sooner. I don't know what when you became a, uh, a you know, follower of Valen. 
pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, Jarrell will walk out, kind of nod to Zero. He sees Hedrick getting along with Shalandria and kind of smiles and then turns to uh, had, uh, Zero again and says, uh, where did uh, Quinn and Boris go? You see them walking back in as you ask that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> right there. They're right there. <clears throat> you're welcome. Uh, Nicole, you're it's muted. Boring, you two? Boris hands Jarrell the apple. Oh, delightful. Uh, and Jarrell <laughs> will eat a piece of the apple. Good. Jarrell, make me a nature check. Nature check. Okay. Five. This is a sweet, delicious apple. <laughs> Refreshing. So yeah, ominous. Refreshing. So ominous. <laughs> Refreshing. Crisp. That or I'm just making you guys roll just to make you feel suspicious. Don't ever discount <laughs> the fact that I can make you just be arbitrarily rolling for no reason. Should I be rolling for jealousy? Of my <laughs> apple? Of your apple. You don't have to roll for a feeling, Phil. You just tell me your feeling. Um, Jarrell only takes two bites. Uh, walks into the kitchen where Shalandria is talking with Hedrick. Says, uh, uh, beg your pardon, Shelly. Uh, it's, I'm glad to see you're getting along with some of the new crew. Uh, I do have to steal Hedrick, though. And she, like, stops, like, her long-winded explanation of the tenets of Valen and what brought her to the faith and all the things. And she just says, oh, of, of course, Jarrell, please. It's so good to have you here. Hopefully you can sort out this mess and restore order to this fine city. Uh, Jarrell bows to Shelly and uh, I don't know if anybody else would catch him give her like a little bit of a wink and then starts walking back out of yeah and she says also I should say before you walk away before you go it, it may be wise to check in with um, Arch Cleric Bronson he is currently minding affairs while the Supreme Arch Cleric is attending to other worldly matters, as you know. Um, I'm sure he Just is. For my notes. Sorry. Did you say Bronson? Bronson. So like action or Charles? Yes. yes. Uh, Jarrell says uh, th that is most wise advice um, and proceeds to make his way out of the temple. We have to go through the back, too, right? We can't go out through the front door. It would be ill-advised to go out through the front door. Yeah. Um, uh, Shalandria, it was a pleasure. I do look forward to finishing our conversation. She blushes ever so slightly and then says, um, oh, yes, it was quite the pleasure. It's so nice to not have blasphemers hanging out with the Holy Lord Jarrell. I'm glad to see he has taken better company. And she goes back to tidying up. Yep. Jarrell, uh, are you okay? Uh, it's unclear at the moment. This whole situation is rather disturbing to me. 
I do feel like our first step should be the Archcleric Bronson. Absolutely. Let's get everyone else. Yeah, I mean, you're all kind of more or less gathered, right? Yeah. All right, so um, where would is there any sharing happening right now, or are we just like what's the what's I guess like what's the the, the dynamic or what's happening when when y'all regroup? Um, Jarrell would not share what just happened, but he's formulating some ideas. Um, at the same time, uh, his hand kind of brushes something that Paradil had given him a while ago. Um, and that would be, um, what was that candle? Candle of, candle of invocation? The candle of invocation, yes. So he does still have that. Um, just something he kind of remembers on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I remember where Archcleric Bronson would be? He would be probably in the spires, which is what Shalandria was oh. saying to you. Okay, so so that's kind of like two birds of one stone for Jarl. So he's heading that way. Yes. Boris would not be sharing any information about what was currently loading up her pockets, but she would kind of want to be heading in the direction of the giant crowd of starving people. The giant crowd of starving people is the opposite direction of the spire. Hedrick would walk over to Boris and say, uh, hey, where'd you get that apple? I may have grabbed a couple of things out of the food storage when I was in there. She exclaims loudly. (laughs) In a room that contains pretty much us. Yeah, it's just us, right? I mean, Shelly. And a bunch of About 50 feet away is one Shelly of High Rock, yes. Who seems to be still just cleaning furiously, so maybe she didn't hear you. I kind of, you know, nudge a little further away from Shelly. <laughs> like outside of the temple? Outside of the temple. <laughs> yeah, so you guys... Well, exa- uh, did you get anything good? Oh, you got more apples? <laughs> I pulled my meat pocket open as wide as I possibly can. Context. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, Nicole, this isn't that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> man the, the idea for bumpers like just keeps getting higher and higher as this yeah, I think, I think Nicole, so. so far Nicole has both of them yes <laughs> yeah. oh, oh good shit good shit okay um, anyways so looking into Boris's meat pocket you actually can't see inside of it because it, it just looks dark and vacuous. However, wow. Oh, wow. you would have to reach in to actually see what's in there. And he would. I mean, he would look at her and make sure she wasn't messing with him first and then just keep looking at her and then reach his hand in slowly. Yeah, you, and- you, you, you grab like a, like a hunk of like what feels like, you know, raw meat. 
Raw meat. I don't know what all the faces are that y'all are making here on this here video chat, but we're talking about like meat. Pockets. <laughs> we get to it. Fair, you said cured meat before I stuck it in my pockets, not raw meat. Okay, I'm true. Thinking, oh, I'm I was thinking tiger meat snack sticks. Yeah, you know? okay. Yeah, but they but they're quite large. <laughs> Um, sure. So long as it's not slimy and raw. Okay, no, you're right. It's not. Yeah, I did say cured. And and, by, and I should say by cured, I mean, I guess I was trying to say like preserved, right? Like they've been like seasoned and like, you know, done in such a way that they, you know, could actually stay stored for long periods of time. But yes, so you, 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 you grab a hold of one of the like many pounds of meat that were stolen. Uh, can, can I easily rip off a bit? Um, not easily. You'd have to pull out the whole chunk. Mm. Well, damn it, Morris. God damn it. I can't eat that. And he throws it back. Did you actually even pull it out to look at it or did you just feel well, it? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, if it's big enough with like enough heft to it that Wonderful. I realize I'm not going to be able to like do anything. I just put it back in her pocket. Hedrick, make me a nature check. Okay. Come on, more than a five. Six. This is some exotic <laughs> meat right here. Mm, tiger. Wow. Yeah, this has to have come from some exotic creature, like a tiger or something. You've never seen it. You've never seen such an exquisite piece of meat before in your entire life. Uh, what are you planning on doing with all of this? Well, the people. The people are hungry. I agree. But I mean. Where, I don't know where that pocket's been. I mean, <laughs> how much you got in there? I I, I don't I, I don't really know I, I, enough, but I think those people are hungry enough that they're not really going to care. Well, if we can cook it off, yeah, that's fine. Uh, all right, that's your business. If you need a hand, let me know. Now, I mean, okay, so hold on a second. Now, you're all together as a group, right? So, like, this is happening, and so Jarrell and Zero and Quinn are also sort of bearing witness to this conversation, I'm assuming. Um, any comments from the peanut gallery? Who are you calling a peanut? Jarrell's on a mission, so he's not really listening. <laughs> um, love it. <laughs> you want me to do a perception? No, no, no. I love it. That's perfect. In fact, instead of a perception, just take just take an inspiration instead for just completely ignoring. Oh that god. Okay. Cool. <laughs> also, um, oh, I'll ignore them too if I get inspiration. Zero is inscrutable as he continues to hide behind his world champion poker face. Do you have like a mandible? Do you have like a, a moving component when you speak? I believe I had originally described him as not having one, but it probably somewhere along the way we sort of settled on him probably having a mouth. Maybe so you not very you mod you modified it at some point in the past so that you could at least like provide the appearance of comfort for people who are used to seeing people's lips move when they speak. You did. You yeah, did. It, you I, did it for others, I, not for yourself. Yeah. He also didn't put the you know the full uh, Omega Project amount of R and D into it. It it really just did reach a good enough uh, you know like you know second beta phase and 
it's like it's like it's just like a muppet yeah it's like a muppet or like a ventriloquist puppet like mouth moving i was thinking like a teddy ruxpin where the mouth opens and then the line would play and then it would close after the line played so it's just oh yeah that's fantastic (laughs) there it is yeah that's even better i love it he's like a teddy ruxpin in many ways okay that is now canon uh, so, Chuck E. Cheese animatronic, you know, bear. Thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that detail. It was wonderful. All right. So Jarell is walking off towards the spire, whereas, you know, at least Boris has some pause. Um, are you trying to stop Jarell so that you can do, you know, take care of your little business real quick? Or like, what's what's going on here? Oh, uh, Boris checks to see if she can see any, you know, random young street children hanging out near the not, temple maybe not in here again everyone mm. is outside being sort of held at bay by the sort of almost like phalanx line of paladins they are yeah, trying meet. they are dispersing the crowd as we speak Lord Charel, were there this many paladins last time we were in town I don't much pay attention to the comings and goings of holy men. This is a much larger contingency than would normally be here. Uh, I can sense the urgency, of course. Yeah, I'll say that, yeah. you know, it, it definitely looks like there was definitely like a, maybe an influx of recruitment and training. Yeah. Um, that, that was going to be the next set of questions, probably. Um, however, you know, it's, it's not that there probably wouldn't be this many. It's more that there wouldn't be this many active. Yeah. They like, would be, you know, his most, next question is going to be, well, it would be, are there even that many paladins in the order? Should Jarrell do a roll to see how many, like, because, I mean, being a paladin, like, a level one or two probably isn't super uncommon, but, like... Yeah, you're kind of just starting on your journey. You've taken your oaths, and you're, you're just kind of starting out. Right. You know, um... You can make a, why don't we say a religion check? And we'll kind of tie this specifically to your faith and, you know, the inner workings of how the arch clerisy operates. Oh, 16. Uh, you know, I think desperate times called for desperate measures. So maybe some of the, you know, more fresh recruits were brought in to at least just help keep the peace. Um, you know, you can even just tell that a lot of these guys are, you know, pretty green as far as, you know, their actual paladinness. It's more of they're just like the, you know, they they are the sword and shield. You know, they've they've probably received enough basic training, you know, to 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 be activated as like a you know, a servant right. and a you know a protector. But but they would have to carry enough of the faith to even be to be considered. Paladin. To be considered, yes. Um, but as you know, right, your your true powers took a while to actually manifest themselves. So, like, you know, it's it's not uncommon because like paladins at at a bare minimum are just holy warriors of their faith. And then as they grow in power, is when you know their divine abilities begin to take shape with enough experience. Um. A thought crosses Jarrell's mind. Um, when a paladin's god dies, what happens to the paladin? A very good question. 
Um, make me a religion check. That's better. A 20. Or a 21. So because of the fact that if, you know, it's very rare, you know, for a god to die. So the texts are quite sparse on this, but, you know, you've learned about some of the myths of, you know, ages and eons past. Um, no one really wrote too much about what happened to this, you know, those serving these gods and, you know, in that particular capacity. But you know that once a god dies, you know, that it sort of creates a vacuum of power in whatever domain that god was the sort of steward over, right? Or the the, the master of. Yeah, right. So when, you know, as with any power vacuum, something eventually takes its place. So either the paladins, you know, or other holy people flock to that new deity, you know, because there's also many different ways where a deity can ascend, you know, something can ascend to godhood. So, you know, it's possible that, you know, there was... You know you, you know, you can take oaths for an, another deity. You know, I mean, again, this is a, a pantheon of multiple gods. So as long as, or you know, or if something rose to take its place, then, you know, maybe they would pledge their service to that because it still falls in line with their domain and what they, you know, held to be true in their own faith. But there would be sort of that initial loss of the divine spark. Those, those powers would be severely limited of whatever they possessed, especially if they were... Um, much higher up in the ranks and echelon of like, you know, like legendary paladins, but very few even no. rise to that level. I think that's another thing you have to understand. Even with where, you know, the, the, the level that you all are at is far beyond what many could ever achieve or hope to achieve in their lives. Right. Um, Jarrell would turn to zero at this point, being the scientist of the group. Um, and say, I've been considering something, trying to understand all those who apparently have lost their minds here. Um, what do you think would be the result of suddenly and quickly losing your connection with your magic, the magical connection with your God? I don't know. How have you handled it? I don't feel That's her presence any less in I just cannot communicate with her. This is true. He's still able to call upon that divine power to, you know, put behind yeah. every swing. You're right, but that's still the first sort of question Zero is going to oh, yeah. ask because some of, you know, some some of these <clears throat> uh, distinctions what, maybe should matter to him more, maybe could, but he can't process all of, all of these implications because he just simply doesn't have the equipment. But like, imagine having your your magical power in your mind just removed quickly, just instantly, yeah, instantly severed. Exactly. I mean, you're probably going to see. I feel like this is potentially even replaced by something else quickly if it's fast enough. Um, 
It would probably vary from person to person, but um, if I had to wager my first hypothesis, um, you'd probably start seeing a lot of things like you're seeing them right now. Uh, massive unrest, insanity. Um, yeah, uh, um, general bad times. Um, I suppose if there are people who don't... Um, feel a particular um you know pardon my inability to find the right word but maybe um an inner call to a personal morality um as opposed to those who have to i guess rely on a god externally to give them one uh those people um might start abandoning some of their more moral decisions and um yeah uh we you probably see an uptick in crime so jarrell and zero are kind of piecing this together on the way to the spire to talk with the arch cleric bronson so you guys are still heading up towards the now boris do you stop them at all or are you just kind of going along and trying to maybe find your moment later yeah, Boris has already wandered off once and been successful, so she's okay with the fact that cured meat will probably be fine in her nether pocket for a little bit while we while we go on this walk. I don't know if I like the term nether pocket anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I comment about how there's meat inside it already. Her meaty nether pocket, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's like it's like we have one girl on the podcast finally, and everything immediately just returns to sexual innuendo. This is This isn't new. This was always who instigated it. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I said meat pocket, but I. <laughs> You know full well where you were going with that. <laughs> I didn't until everybody else laughed, but that's my own fault. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn it was intentional. No, There's no getting no, around that. One that one was an accident. No. Yeah. <laughs> my ears oh, are God. To, that to give her credit, there are pockets full of meat, so I right? get it. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, how sense. else do you describe, you describe them as? Pocket. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Just say, yeah, we need to just keep an eye on uh, whatever number this is because this is going to be an instant classic episode. The second it hits the <laughs> I wish we could title it Meat Pockets, but I just don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Actually burying the lead I like, there. I like Nether Pockets. I think that would be a good good title. Okay, well, as it as it has been said, what, so it shall be down, done. What's down in the Nether Pockets? Hot pocket. Be careful what you wish for. I do edit this show, and we'll hear that later and be inspired to name the episode that. So, <laughs> anyways, I'll push for meat pockets while it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I guess we're heading to the spire then. Onward to the spire. Sure. Um, yeah, that's apparently where it's going. Although Zero is kind of enjoying this little detuck, you know, detuck. Deductive discussion with uh, Lord Jarrell the Light, and I imagine that a lot of this up to this point has happened while we're on the Aaron Sorkin-esque walk and talk on the That's way there. Correct. <laughs> so yeah, you make it to the doors of the spire. 
another two paladin-looking-like folks posted out front of there. There's these massive wooden doors that are carved with the most ornate, like, just like patterns and like you know just it's very fancy it's like it's gilded there's filigree running throughout the entire door it's just absolutely majestic the spire itself is like this very smooth stone that's like formed and it, it i mean this thing extends probably another 10 to 12 stories tall Quick question. Does the art on this spire match the uh, very uh, COVID or Corvid that focused art uh, in the temple of, quote, Valen, end quote? I mean, it matches the, it matches the aesthetic. Everything, okay. everything here tends to have a very, you know, has that, 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 that sort of holy, ornate, you know, holy city type aesthetic to it. But no uh, subtle motifs of blackbirds or anything in there. Um, oh yes, good question, right? Because we, you know, we did establish many, many, many moons ago that the Temple of Valen was formerly the Temple of the Raven Queen. Yeah. Um. No. Okay. Not at a no. glance. But that the oh, the uh, overarching style still seems similar. Similar enough, I you know I think that it would be easy to deduce that these, you know, the spire has stood for a while, but it, this 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 may not have been the camp the the, the the large campus that it is today. Back when this holy city was you know sort of under a different uh, looked a little bit differently. You know, the pantheon was a little bit different. More broadly ecumenical, right? Um, Jarrell ensures that he steps a bit ahead of the group, approaches the two guards in front of the door, right? The two guards in front of the, the giant doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and says, oh, bows first and says, Lord Jarrell the Light, on official business from the Supreme Arch Cleric, uh, here to see Arch Cleric Bronson. Ah, yes. Lord Jarrell, please make your way inside. You. We, you can request an audience with the acting arch cleric. Um, your companions may have to wait on the main floor. As you know, the spire and the upper levels are reserved for only those of the Holy Order. Um, Jarrell nods, considers the fact that they said may, <laughs> and walks in. <laughs> and there's the pedanticness that we were talking about at the <laughs> little <laughs> intro for the episode. <laughs> and yes, you open the large double doors. They don't open them the for me. No. Summer service really is dead. And walking into the spire is where we will end this episode of the Hapless Heroes podcast. Thank you so much for listening, my lovely, wonderful, amazing audience. If you like us, you can find us on the internet. We are on such places as Twitter and Instagram. You can just, you know, it's just at Hapless Heroes. You can also find us by searching Hapless Heroes Podcast on Facebook and Reddit. 
those places will just have pin posts or something in, the, in our description or bio that will point you to what we consider to be the crown jewel of our internet presence, our Discord server, where you can meet and interact with us as that's where we are the most active. Um, it's got, we have a wonderful, wonderful community of listeners and fellow nerds and people from all different walks of life hanging out in there, sharing memes, talking about D&D, sharing pictures of their dogs and cats, like just a really cool and awesome place to hang out. We would love for you to join our audience there. Now, if you really like us, you can leave us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice. We really appreciate all the kind words you said about us. It really puts the wind in our sails, makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside, especially as the weather is getting colder. We would love to feel that warm and fuzzy feeling right about now. And if you say some kind words about us, we'll say them right back to you and tell you just uh, why we think that you are the five-star human that you are. Now, if you really, really like us, you could donate to our Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash heroes. We have a lot of great... Uh, reward tiers with a whole bunch of different things, behind the scenes audio, unreleased episodes, the contents of James's notebook from episodes like 0 through 100. Uh, just a whole smattering of goodies that we are constantly trying to add to or figuring out ways to add to to give back to you, our wonderful audience, for helping us keep this show running four years strong. All right, guys. So if you like us, I mean, you know, not just kind of like us, because all kinds of people just kind of like us. And if you kind of like us, you'd have done one of those things we talked about earlier. But if you, li- yeah, I mean, really like us, like, you know, Sellfield, the whole deal, as a wise man once said. Go and get a bunch of friends together and do a one shot. No one shot's pretty good. You know, a couple of self-contained episodes. It's a real fun time, right? But uh, have a couple of video cameras around, you know, from a few different angles, you know, some good audio and record it. But here's, you know, here here's the difference. Here's the kicker. Here's where things are going to change and take a little bit of a twist, let's say, instead of releasing it on the internet or, you know, putting it on maybe a DVD or a compact disc. No, let's go with a thoroughly obscure format of the Universal Media Disc, that little triangle-shaped case that contained a dinky little CD that slipped into the back of your PSP and would eventually come with movies on it. Yes, I do actually own a movie on it, but this is what you're going to do, and you're going to find a way to distribute your one-shot on a Universal Media Disc. And in the liner notes, give a shout-out to the Hapless Heroes. And undoubtedly, it would be universally accepted. I mean, it is the universal media disc. Yeah. What better platform or medium could you choose, really? You know, Dave, it's really, you know, it's generous of you to come up with something so reasonable right. for our true fans. I mean, it's it's as universal as a universal serial bus, am I right? Wow. Anyways... <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and outro this cast, and I'm going to start on my digital right this time with John playing Lord Jarrell the Light. I'm getting better at sciencing. Phil as Hedrick the Entertainer. I think this place is getting to me. Nicole as Boris the Butcher. Say meat pocket once, and everyone's a wise guy. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> As Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind. Meat and rice and very handsome guards, oh my. And Dave, as Omega Project Prototype Zero. You may be getting better as a scientist. 
I'm still just as worthless as a theologian as I've always been. Eh, such is life. And I'm Francesco. I've been your host at DM. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Bye. 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 Bye.